So today's message is called Seven Signs of a Healthy Church. Or another title could be The Battle of the Wills. Yeah, okay, fantastic. So I'm going to start with Luke 22, verses 41 to 42. Jesus went off by Himself and falling on His knees, prayed in these words, Father, if You are willing, take this cup from me. But it is not my will, but Yours that must be done. Not my will, but Yours that must be done. What's going on here is that Jesus is towards the end of His life. He only lived to these 33 years of age that we know of. He is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's an olive grove. Who loves olives? Gives away if you love olives. I love olive oil. I just don't like olives. I like eating them. But I can pour olive oil on everything. And I do. But the point is, He's in a garden. He's at the last stages of His life. He's in Jerusalem. He's coming to the, the very essence of what His purpose on life was all about. He was born to die. And He is in this situation where He's in the garden called Gethsemane. He's with His, the, you know, uh, the disciples, um, they're, they're, they're with Him. They, they spend a lot of time together. They're following Him. Um, they don't fully realise who He is yet, but they have an idea, but they're not really there yet. Um, and so He takes a moment, He moves to the side, He gets on His own and He falls down on His knees and He begins to pray because He's aware of what He is facing. And in this moment, in this tension, it's really a battle of wills. And it's a very interesting because the language here, it, it, I don't know what it says in German or in Spanish, but in the original Greek or in the original text, it literally is a legal language being used here. He's not kind of arguing with God. He's kind of talking a legal language like saying, "Is there, Father, is there any legal loophole? Is there an alternative way we can do this? And that's what He means by this cup. Is there any way that you can remove this cup from me? So there's a tension, there's, there's something going on that's causing Him to, and how does He win this battle of the wills? In prayer. He, he falls to His knees. He humbles Himself. He lowers Himself. He takes His stature from high to low and He positions Himself before the Father with humility, with prayer, with a willingness of not my will, but Your will will prevail in my life in Jesus' Name. Your will will prevail in all lives. And so there's a fight, there's a tension. Have you ever had that fight? Are you in that moment right now where it's a battle of the will? Looking around in this room, I can see a lot of people who've got a very strong will. And I know because as soon as I said that, you smiled. It's a tease, it's a tease, okay? It's not serious. But I think that today we forget that there's a lot. Andres is talking about his daughter, you know, when she's older. Well, she's not, she's already making decisions. She's not even two. It's like called a strong will. I wonder where she got that from. And, you know, we've got to understand that the battle of the wills is something that we all have to navigate. But there's a tension going on in this garden. And it's so interesting for us to consider it because you and I right now, what is going on in our own lives? And how do you get through difficult moments? And again, can we follow this example of Jesus here? I believe we can. When we face difficult times, instead of complaining about it and moaning about it, is going to God in prayer. It's a discipline we've got to learn to cultivate and 
We've been praying from the front here today, but it's not just about praying from the front. It's about, have you got a prayer life, a personal prayer life? Do you know how to pray when you leave this room? Can you keep praying? Can you persevere in prayer? Can you pray for someone else? And that's what we need to learn to do together. But it's gonna come through adversity. And so what I love about this situation here is Jesus is in the garden and He is going to His future, but He does it in prayer. He does it with surrendering His will to the Father's will. And for you and I in this room today, if we're gonna get to our future the way I believe God has purpose for us, we've got to learn to do that with prayer, with humility and with a willingness to surrender our will to His will. And that's what Jesus does for us. But let's get into a little bit more interesting part of the story. He's also doing something profound because He's in a garden, but He's also reversing the curse of the beginning of the human story. Right at the beginning when God created man in His image, the Bible says, let us create humanity in our image, speaking of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God. And that's something we can talk about another time. But the, the principle was, is that created mankind out of the dust of the earth. That's what Adam means. And God breathes, makes him into the likeness of man, uh, into the likeness um, of God. And what He does, He breathes the breath of life into His nostrils. And you've got to understand, God did not breathe the breath of life into all of His creation. He created all of the cosmos of the mountains and the valleys and the seas and everything that we see that is wonderful, all of the animals and the kingdom. He, he, he created it all, but He never breathed the breath of life into them. He breathed the breath of life into Adam. And it says that the Adam became a living soul. And that's why it matters that you and I are known for praising God, not cursing God. We're created to praise, not curse. We were created to bless, not pull down. We can destroy each other with our words, but we can also build each other up with our words. I love you, I hate you. It's so easy for us to do that. But we were never gonna build our future if we're gonna pull each other down, but we can build our futures if we learn to use the words that God has given us. And so in the garden, it all goes wrong. A woman was created from man. And so we have male and female and we have the beginnings of the story of the human story, Adam and Eve. And so it goes wrong in the garden because they believed not God, they believed the lie that came through what we have in Genesis. And, 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 they, and, and it caused a separation between them and God. They lost the paradise. They lost access to all that God has. And instead of uh, working for the joy of the Lord, they started working from the sweat of their brow. Work, instead of being a blessing, it became a curse. Entrance to paradise was closed. The Garden of Eden was no longer accessible. Do not eat from, you can eat from all the trees, but do not touch this. So there's a strong language in Genesis about the human story. It talks about where we come from. It talks about who we are and it talks about where we're going. And if you and I need to know who we are today, we need to understand where we come from and we need to know ultimately where we're going. Because if you remove that from people, you remove so much of their identity and who they are. And we become people of chaos, lost in our own lostness making up vain imaginations that don't materialise or build a foundation of truth and hope. So what we've got to realise is what was lost in the garden at the beginning, Jesus is now getting back in the garden of Gethsemane. The human story 
was damaged from this garden, the human story is about to be restored from this garden. And it's called a battle of the wills. Whose will is gonna prosper? My will or His will? And so if we're gonna talk about signs of a healthy church, we have to at least consider this battle between the wills. And so not my will, but yours be less of me, more of you, less of me, more of you. I haven't seen that tattoo on anyone, but it's a good one. Not what I want, not what I want, not what I want, but what do you want? It's the other way around for many people today. It's what I want, what I want, what I want. Willingness and action. We see Jesus showing willingness to surrender, but also this ability to fuel action. It wasn't philosophy and pontificating and idolizing or, or some kind of, uh, this would be a mark. This, imagine this, imagine, it was action. He went to it. Uh, there's a, a prophecy that he would be given an anointment that, would, um, that potentially could take away the pain, his suffering, and he refused it. So he was surrendered and he was obedient. In the garden at the beginning, humanity, uh, wasn't obedient to God. It was, it listened to the voice of another. How many of us get into trouble because we listen to the wrong voices? We believe a lie instead of believing the truth. Oh, it's so easy to get sucked into the lies. I mean, we know we live in a, a media age, a social media age. We live in a time where bad news will always travel quicker than good news. And, and, we, and, we, and we, we, I mean, bad news will always make more money for the media world. Who wants to listen to read good news? Like, give me some juice, give me some gossip, give me some sleaze, give me some, give me something interesting. But he was motivated by love and he was full of faith. And we got to remember um, that being motivated by love, like his love for me is all the motion, motivation I need. Motivation is always to do with love. You know, in other words, let me tell you this, love is a great motivator. Love is a great motivator. But fear can also get you going. But it will always pull you apart. It will never make you or heal you. So if you get into a relationship and often today people don't like to be on their own, so they need to be needy or they need to be wanted or they need to be in a relationship. And so you get into a, need, a relationship based on need, you're not gonna create joy, healing, blessing, anything. You're just gonna create more suffering and pain. Why? Because if you go into a relationship from love, you've got a better chance to survive. But if you go into a relationship based on need, they're needy, you're needy, Two needy people don't make a happy, happy time. And we learn the hard way. We learn because it's a battle of wills. So it's better to go into a relationship from a position of love. If you're loved, you will be loving. And you'll know the difference between health and unhealth. And unfortunately today, so many of us don't know what's healthy or what's unhealthy. And so we've got to learn this. So Jesus was surrendered, He was obedient, He was motivated by love and He was full of faith. So a good question, I want to start really with a question today. And that is a good question I think we can all at some point ask our lives. And so it's just, just to get us started, but what is important to God? Have I made it important to me? I think it's it's very easy question, but it's a very, very penetrating question. What's important to God? And have I made it important to me? Am I willing to make it important to me? And that's what Jesus was doing. He was realizing that 
okay, there's no other way to do this. <laughs> Not my will, but your will. And, and what do you want for your own story? What do you want for your own life? Do you want your will to prevail or do you want God's will to prevail over your life? And I think it's something we've got to wrestle with and it's something that I think we do wrestle with, but we've got to win and come on the other side like Jesus did. Let's keep going to our future because we've surrendered our will to His will. Another question you could ask that's closer to home, what is important to my church? Have I made it important to me? Am I willing to make it important to me? I think if we just come to church because we have needs, then that doesn't build strength. Now that might be the starting point, but it shouldn't be the finishing point. It doesn't matter how you arrive, it really determines what you do next. If you don't come in healthy, it's a decision to say, well, I'm not healthy, but I've stepped into a healthy place. Oh, it's confronting, but you know what? Not my will, but your will be done. It's a decision to say, I am not gonna stay where I am. I embrace Him, He embraces me. And it's through the community diverse community of believers that we actually grow the most. And so I really hope we can consider church is not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about us. And it's about a battle of the wills. Whose will is going to win here? And so, yeah, it's not wrong to be needy. It's just, it's just wrong to stay needy. Amen. In other words, do something about it. Take responsibility for it. And God's gracious. So what's important to you will be seen in your convictions. How do I know what's important to me? Because it's seen in my convictions. What convictions do I have? Do I have any conviction about the church? Is Sunday just casual? Well, I feel like it. I don't feel like it. Well, what's happening? I never tell you who's speaking, so it's not based on who the speaker is. Some people struggle with that. Well, no, but I, I'm like, you don't even know who's speaking. Why? Because if it's built on who's the speaker, well, I like him, I like her. Oh, she's speaking today. Well, that's okay on a, on a kind of a, it's not terrible, but trust me, it's building maybe the wrong culture because it's just the Word of God. Whoever speaks it, it's the Word of God we honour, amen. Yes, but... Yes, but it's just nice when he speaks or when she speaks. I understand, but is it my will or is it his will? And I really think we've got to be careful with that. But let's also understand it's not the end of the world. It's just that at the end of the day, I'm not coming to the church just for the man with the mic or the woman with the mic. I'm coming because this is what I'm part of. It's where I'm planted. It's where I'm growing. It's where I'm contributing. It's where I'm actually becoming a better version of me in Jesus' Name, Amen. So here's a few verses for you, just to give you perspective. 1 Corinthians 13, if I had the gift of being able to speak the languages of men and angels, but did not love others, I would only be making a distracting noise. When I eat food, especially soup, I'm the kind of person that eats and makes so much noise with my spoon that my wife is irritated beyond belief. And I do, I just enjoy my food. But I make a lot of noise doing it. Anyone else like that? I make no apologies. I am enjoying my food. I am sorry that I am making some noise. But the point I'm making is, this verse really says, if you can speak of the men, the, the, the many languages of, the, of, 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 of men, you could speak even the language of heaven, angels language. 
but you do not have love. In other words, let me say it this way. You could be incredibly gifted, but if there's no love, you're just a distraction noise. I can hear you, but not register you. And it's a really interesting thing because a lot of us today, we are always paying attention to gift, but we very rarely pay attention to character. And tonight at the five o'clock, I'm gonna be speaking about the qualities of godly character and how to build that. So if you're interested, come. But we're gonna keep helping in any way we can to be who God's called us to be. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So it's all about faith. You get saved by faith. We give by faith, amen. We do all of this on earth by faith. Faith being the essence of trust. I trust what He says. I trust His promises. It's not blind faith. It's based on the very person of Jesus, amen. So you can see that love and faith are working together. It's love and faith working together for Jesus. And if you're gonna overcome your will versus God's will, you've got to understand it's love and faith that's gonna help us to overcome what we want versus what God wants. So let's be motivated by love and full of faith. Amen, can we do that? Motivation, let it be from love. I am the most loved person on the planet. So now give from that abundance of love that you have from Heavenly Father. And I know it's easy said than done, but you're gonna to have to embrace the truth by faith that you are very incredibly loved, amen. So let me just say this, when it comes to church, seven signs of a healthy church, ask ourselves the question. It's not that we are super healthy or even declaring that we are healthy. I'm just saying indicators or indicators of a healthy church, that's what we're gonna look at. So, so rituals and ceremony doesn't mean that the church is healthy. Rituals and ceremonies. Me and Joyce got married 28 years ago. We had a ceremony, a wedding ceremony, but that was it. After the ceremony, it was real. No one's married, so you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> ceremonies are easy. I do, I do. And you walk out together and then she gets rid of all my beer bottles that I collect. I wake up after three months, she doesn't like techno music. Should we talk to this before we got married? <laughs> Even yesterday, I'm playing electronic music at home and she's like, I'm gonna put my earphones in and talk to you in a few hours. I'm like, we still haven't won this battle, Battle of Wills. But the point I'm making is, listen, ritual and ceremony doesn't mean, listen, do you want a church full of ceremony and rituals? There is place for ritual, I'm not gonna argue. There is place for ceremony. But the essence of church, it's a celebration because family celebrate, amen? You tend to have ceremony and ritual when there's no relationship or maybe it's not really something called family. And I'm not arguing here, I'm just saying the dominant flow of the church should be celebration coming together, celebrating in Jesus' Name, amen. But there is space for ritual and ceremonial, but that's not a definition of a healthy church. Music and preaching doesn't mean the church healthy, amen. Yeah, just because we sing and we've got preaching going on doesn't mean that we're healthy. So we've got to be careful of what we're saying. Is our per It's our personal relationship with Jesus that defines our health ultimately. And really say this, if you grow, we grow. If you're healthy, we're healthy. 
And I'm not saying you can be, see, you can be healthy in the church and the leaders can be unhealthy. Absolutely. I would 100% agree with you. It, it's the, you can have, health is supposed to be all round. I'm supposed to be healthy. You're supposed to be healthy. And we are on a journey of understanding that. And it's a battle of the wills. And I need you to keep remembering that. It's a battle of the wills. So the first thing that I believe we, we can ask the question about what is one of the signs of a healthy church is the first area is social connection. Social connection. Say it with me. What does that mean? Relationships and friendships. Am I connected relationally? I come, but... Does anybody know me? Do I know anybody? Do I know their name? Do they know my name? When I'm not there, I miss you. When you're not here, we miss you. <laughs> or maybe you come and go and no one knows you. What's going on? One of the health, healthy signs of a church is the quality of the relationships. Can you make friends here? Amen. Do you wanna make friends here? When you're new and you come in and you look around, you're like, do I wanna be like them? I'm definitely not gonna be one of them. I'm gonna be one of these. I don't know. It's all going on and we don't realise it. Uh, if you're new to church like I was many years ago, I had no idea what I was walking into, but I had met Jesus and He was the one that kept me going in the right direction. So, I, so social connections is, I believe, one of the connections. So let me ask you a question. Am I connected relationally? And do I help others to get connected relationally? Your relationship with Jesus should help you and can help you with your relationships with other people. In other words, get your relationship right with Jesus. It will begin to help you with your relationship with other people, even if you're an introvert or shy. Amen? So a sign of a healthy church can be seen in the quality of the friendships and relationships. Amen? So again, do we want to build a local community here in Berlin that there is a chance that we can build strong, healthy God-honouring relationships. Moving from a friendly church to a church of friends. I really believe it's an easy thing to say, a very hard thing to do. Why? Because to move from friendly to friends, you've got to let someone in. And that's why we're building community groups. Why? It's a chance for you to go from a bigger service to a smaller community. These are the people I'm praying with, people I'm doing life with. These are the people I'm learning to get to know God better with. And these are the people I'm learning to get to know better with because these are my friends and family. I'm going to something bigger, but I've got myself connected into something smaller. And we're always gonna build that kind of church. Sundays are getting bigger, five o'clock service, another service, three today. Uh, we don't find another venue. We're gonna have to do four services, five services. We've done it before, we can do it again, but I'm not gonna preach at all of them. It's exhausting. But the point I'm making is, is that do we want to promote relational health in our church? Uh, because it's not attractive. I guarantee it will never be attractive if there's no friendships and relationships that are healthy in the church. It won't be because people are looking for it everywhere. They're online, they're scrolling and scanning and doing all sorts of behaviours to try and get meaningful relationships. And I'll tell you now, there's nothing more joyous and better than to build beautiful relationships, God-honouring relationships than in the house of God, amen. So let's commit to the health of our church and it's outworked through the quality of friendships and men. Now, it time, it takes you, but it's a battle of the will. It's a battle of the wills, amen. Number two, serving. Serving means I'm willing to make it better. Are you willing to make it better? Are you willing to make your job better? Are you willing to make your marriage better? Are you willing to make your church better? Uh, serving is one of these things that we don't talk about it enough, but Jesus came 
to, Jesus came to, He came to serve, not to judge, not to be hostile, not to be indifferent. He came to serve. And what would happen if I started each day with an attitude to serve? Literally, what would happen if we all woke up tomorrow morning, I'm here to serve? You don't have to say it, just think it. And then follow through with your thoughts into action. I'm telling you, it's a game changer, but I believe it can be something that we can build health into our church. Our relationship with Jesus should help increase our desire to serve. I guarantee when you walk with Jesus, your desire to serve increases, not decreases. A sign of a healthy church is seen in the spirit of the people wanting to serve. When you serve Jesus, you serve people. When you serve people, you serve Jesus. So it's a healthy, healthy thing in Jesus' Name, Amen. And I don't wanna lead a church that where the spirit of serving is non-existent. I wanna lead a church where there's a spirit of servanthood in the place, amen. And obviously it's gotta be in me. <laughs> it can't just be not in me and in our church, it's gotta be in me too. It's gotta to be in me first. But I wanna be able to say, hey, the health of our church, there is a spirit of servanthood. And Joyce and I should always lead our church from a servant spirit, amen. Number three, self-feeding. Personal responsibility, that's what self-feeding means. Can you cook for yourself? Or does someone need to come over and cook for you? Who has been able to cook their own dinner in the last week? Who's been able to feed themselves? Whether it's going to a kebab, a pizza or some... Yeah. So you can all feed yourself physically, but can you feed yourself spiritually? And I've told you many times, and some people get upset with this, but I'm not here to read the Bible for you. You need to learn to read the Bible for yourself. And of course, if you struggle to read the Bible, you're struggling to get started, then yes, absolutely, we're here to help. What can we do? Maybe we start a community group this week and it's all about learning to read the Bible together. But it will be around the Italian blessing. <laughs> Arabiata will be on the table and we will be, uh, you know, partaking in an Italian communion and we will be reading the Bible together. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is it's okay to not know what to do. I didn't know a thing when I started going to church. And it was Joyce's brother that invited me home for dinner and would give me a Bible and help me to start to read the Bible. So what I'm trying to say to you is, one of the signs of a healthy church is that people in the church, you can see a level of responsibility and maturity in the church. Listen to me, am I willing to take responsibility for learning and applying God's Word to my life. This will help me to develop maturity. Are you, are you able to feed yourself and help others who need help? And I really believe, honestly, it's a great question to ask. It's a battle of the wills, but it's all down to this thing called responsibility. You will never get maturity without responsibility. It's like, it doesn't exist. If you think you're gonna be a mature person by avoiding responsibility, you are deceived, absolutely 100%. It just doesn't, it's like a fruit. You know, I'm gonna get um, apples from this pear tree. Well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let's see you do it. Now, that's probably the wrong illustration because there'll be someone who studies this stuff and goes, you know, it's actually possible to do, 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 do. So I'm gonna pull that one back and say, delete, delete. But the problem, what I'm saying is, is take responsibility, fruit called maturity turns up. Don't try to be mature, just try to take responsibility. You'll be amazed how you become mature. But listen, do you know how to read your Bible yourself? No. Okay, put your hand up. Let's help each other. 
Yes, great, keep doing it. And how can you help someone else? That will build such health into the church. It will stop this, well, I just like it when Pastor Mark does a Bible study. Well, okay, fair enough. But my job is not to read the Bible for you, amen? But I do want to cultivate a desire, an appetite, a thirst, a hunger for the Word of God, amen? And if you get that, you're gonna be fine. But let me tell you, it's one of the signs of a healthy church when there's a sense of responsibility and maturity. Number four, tithing. Tithing, 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 tithing. Tithing, what is it? It's a declaration of ownership. Why don't you say it with me? A declaration. What is tithing? With such enthusiasm, I love it, I love it, I love it. Tithing is a declaration of ownership. Am I willing to put God first and practice honour? Am I willing to put God first and practice honour? Tithing is not about getting your money. It's about returning to God what is already His. Tithing brings God's blessing over the rest, over your life. A sign of a healthy church is seen in the amount of people who want to honour God and put Him first. I do not want to lead a church where people don't want to honour God. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's like leading a project at work and no one on the team cares about the project. Frustrating, energy consuming, disheartening. I can't think of any other words right now, but you can imagine. It's not a good relationship. And so leading a church is about understanding, do we want to honour God? Yes. How are we gonna do that? How are we gonna practise that? Amen. In love and faith. We're gonna trust God. Now, again, you're safe. It's not legalism. It's not a brutality. Some of the stories you hear around the world about what people go through, I hate that. I'm sure Jesus hates that His church is treated like something horrendous sometimes, but we are flawed people. We do get it wrong. I'm not saying we're perfect here neither. I'm just saying though, you've gotta understand this with a healthy perspective. It's not something, you know, hard on us. It's an invitation from the Father to say, would you trust me? That's why it's a declaration of ownership. The tithe is just simply saying, it's yours anyway, amen? It's like if you, if you borrowed my bike and you returned it a month later, clean, air in the tires, the chain is on. There's no bumper stickers on it or anything like that, you know what I mean? Like it got returned, but it's returned better. And you said to me, I wanna give you a bike. I'll go, excuse me, you're just returning what's mine anyway. You haven't given me anything. Well, that's exactly what the tithe is. You're not giving God anything. You're returning what is already His. So it brings blessing on the rest. Now, yeah, it's natural, but it's supernatural. My, my prayer is to support you with this, to at least give you a chance to hold on to God. It's really for us, it's a spirit of how can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we help you to be the wonderful person God is calling you to be? That's the spirit of it. So it's not hostile. It's not like we're checking up on you. It's not like that. But let's ask ourselves the bigger question. If we want health in the church in this area, it's gonna be shown in the amount of people that say, I wanna honour God. And I will continue to honour God. And I would rather go to a church that the people are pulling on God for their future and their lives and their present than to go to a church where people are faking it till they make it. They're just going through the motions, ceremony and ritual. And I really hope you understand that. So I believe it's one of the signs of a healthy church when the majority, not the few, but the majority are willing to carry the burden of the vision 
and to really return to God what is God's. What is it saying? It's saying God is over the people, amen? And it's not usual, it's not normal. We have a building right next to us, a beautiful big church building that is paid from, from church, German church taxes system. 8.3 billion euros every year comes in through the German tax system. 68% of the working population, taxpaying population in Deutschland still contributes to that tax system. And so it works, it's been going on for several hundred years, but we don't get anything of it. We're in a hotel while that beautiful building is being repaired, not through the tithes and offerings of people, but through the church tax system. So I'm not anti any of that. I'm just saying to you, we are not building our church on a tax system. We're building it on the freedom and the joy and the revelation that God is God and that my will is surrendered to His will. And whatever I've got is yours anyway, God. That is what I'm talking about, amen? Number five, everyone say number five. Half of the house, half of the house. We've only got a couple more to go. Thank you team for joining us. Another three hours. <laughs> half of the house, a sacrificial contribution. That's exactly what next week is. Once a year as a church, we give our church an opportunity, an invitation to sacrifice something, to bring something. You've got to be able to have something to give something. It's not taking some something you don't have. It's not getting into debt to give, no. It's what have I got? Yes, there's a spirit of sacrifice. In other words, it's gonna cost me. Um, and, and, and people have done this over our church for many years, but it's once a year and it's heart for the house. And it really locates us, it confronts us, and I believe empowers us as a church. Am I willing to make a sacrifice to invest into the work of building God's house? Am I willing to become a kingdom builder? You know, our kingdom builders are people in our church. We've got around 50 people who are considered kingdom builders and we're believing for 70 in, in this one. And our goal is to get to 100 plus. And kingdom builders, are, they're not business people, they're every people. It's, it could be a mom raising her children on her own. It could be a school teacher, a student. It could be a business entrepreneur. But the thing is, they are people who realize that the gift of giving is on their life. The gift of giving is not on all people. You know, if you're like, thank God for that, you're like, yeah, well, the gift of giving is not on your life. God has given all of us a variety of gifts, but there are some that have this gift of giving. In other words, they just recognize what it is and they fulfill God, honor God through it. So kingdom builders is a call to recognize that gift. And it may be water for, seed form that needs watering, but through kingdom builders and through heart for the house, it's an opportunity to say, hey, see that gift on your life. We wanna, we wanna speak into that gift. We wanna help you grow that gift. But it's really done from a spirit of building the kingdom, building the church, and it's done with the wisdom of God. And so if you feel that like that's you, you know, seed form, young in it, wanna grow on it, but you recognize the gift of givings on your life. I'm telling you, this is kingdom builders. And it's just, it's not for everyone, but it is for a few that I believe, not a select few of elitism. It's not elitism. It's they're the ones that give the most. They're the ones that carry the burden. They're the ones that surround Joyce and I to extend our shoulders. They're people of character, integrity, and they are people that I believe God wants to use to build the church. And so we want to facilitate kingdom builders, but heart for the house is for all of us at some level, willing to say, God, I'm trusting you, amen. A sign of a healthy church is seen in the willingness of the people who want to carry and contribute to the vision of the church. Next week, we're going to see that. And it can't be a good story if only a few of us turn up ready next week. It's got to be the majority. And I realize what I'm saying because it's confronting in one way, but it's also, it will locate you. 
um, if this is your home, if this is where you're planted, if this is where you see yourself growing and serving God with like-minded people in the sense of going to the future, then we've got to find a way to do something. You know, I'd rather you do something than nothing because it's just healthy when we say, God, we're trusting you. It's a call to prayer, it's a call to worship, and it's a call to increase our faith capacity, amen? So let His voice speak to you about what you're gonna do, how you're gonna do it. I really believe that's where God turns up the most in Jesus' Name. Are you okay with that? Number six, social kindness. Six signs of a healthy church, social kindness, helping others in need locally. Am I willing to get involved with making a difference in our city? staying outward focus and working with others. I really believe a sign of a healthy church can be seen in its actions and generosity towards others in need. And as a church, we are working as best we can locally in any shape, form where we can serve the vulnerable in our society. And if you're not aware of that, then please come and talk to us, we'll tell you. We try to show some of the Kindness Project. Kindness Project is how we vehicle, we use the vehicle to serve our city. It's the Kindness Project. Uh, we do it through Walk for Freedom, which is bringing awareness to human trafficking. Uh, one of the lovely ladies who owns a restaurant here in Berlin, we go, Joyce and I go there to eat sometimes, and she, she's got talking to Joyce and, um, found out there's a children's home that my son is visiting in India right now that Joyce's parents started, but also about human trafficking. And this lady who owns this successful restaurant, she's literally gone, I did not know that human trafficking was a problem in Berlin. And next year she wants to join. And uh, so again, this awareness thing, but it's about sponsoring children, breaking them out the cycle of poverty. And it's also about um, ecological things as well and the environment. But number seven, strategic partnerships, confronting poverty, globally. Do I care and am I willing to get involved with helping people break out of the cycle of poverty? And we do support A21. We do support Vision Rescue, which is street children in Mumbai. We do help Charity Water, which is providing clean water for communities. And we do help Compassion, which is sponsoring children, breaking them out of the cycle of poverty. And we're working with an organization called Together for Berlin here. And we want to partner with more innovative strategic partnerships as we move into the future. We haven't even talked about uh, planting trees, solving the plastic problem, ec ecological things. When it comes to animal welfare, we haven't even got close to that subject. And yet it's horrible to think that animals are being cruelly treated because of our consumeristic attitude in our society. No, God is calling us into the renewal of all things. So we gotta pick something for now it's children. Well, it will always be children because they're our future. For the water, it makes no sense that people have got dirty water and they can have clean water. We're gonna do that the best we can. Every year we're gonna do something in Berlin or in Warsaw and Prague to provide a water well. And the trees, we can. Every time we see a salvation, we can plant a new tree. Every time we dedicate a baby, we can plant a new tree. There's something we can do. And when it comes to animal welfare, I hate to see animals treated it's horrible. Yeah, that's the word. And it's not because I'm a dog lover. And it's not because I have two dogs. It's just because we're here and we need to understand it's a battle of wills. Not my will be done, but Your will in Jesus' Name. It's about surrendering our will to His will. That is what health will come from in Jesus' Name. So there's just six indicators of health that what health could look like in our church. But our prayer is, is that we will want to serve because of Jesus. 
Our prayer is that we will want to build meaningful, lasting, godly relationships in Jesus' Name. That we're not gonna carry the scars and the blood and the sweat and the tears of former mistakes, but we're willing to learn from our mistakes and say, God, I am healthy as You continue to work in me and through me, amen. Half of the house, our giving, our generosity, the strength of a local church is profound when the battle of the wills is won. So let our church be a church Diverse individuals, absolutely. But we're willing to surrender our individual wills to the King and the Kingdom. His will, not my will. In Jesus' Name.